Welcome to the family with Tevin Pittman, Alex Brandt-Bernard Rasmussen, co-host Captain Brandt, and Andy Brandt-Bernard. We will be right back. We're going to have an Alex discussion. We're going to have... Uh, we're gonna talk about what? what you know, Catherine wants to talk about Epstein. Epstein. She hates him more than any living human. Todd Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yes, Todd Epstein. That's who it is. Uh, okay, who? Going into this, who said this? I was too fat. Who said that? There's a world leader that said I was too fat. Uh, that way, Taft. No, <laughs> current world leader. Uh. Oh, I was going to say... Kim Jong-un. No, he will never admit <laughs> yeah, that. Can you imagine him <laughs> admitting that anything is wrong with him? Yeah. We'll be back, and we'll tell you right after this with the family. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say, why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state, so we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Doug here from Walzer. Tommy's on vacation again, so I'm going to have to read both parts. Dougie, what's happening? This is weird. Tommy, I'm looking for two things. A new wife and a MAGA hat? Uh, that'd be a big no. Walzer is looking for cars to sell and people to sell them. You don't have enough cars? Well, late model used car business is good, and when COVID shut down the plants, we ran low on new cars and didn't get as many trade-ins. Right now, we're purchasing used cars from people, and in many cases, we can pay Kelly Blue Book excellent. Heck, I'll even buy some of your cars. All I ever do is give, give, give. Yeah, sure. Anyway, we also need people to sell them. Coaches, teachers, servers. People with people skills work great in our no-negotiating model. Also, it's a salaried position, so you're not living from one commission to the next. We also pay you to learn. Think I'd be good at it? Not a chance. Well, don't worry about my feelings. I never do. If you're selling a car or want to join our team, email me at Doug at Walzer.com. What the hell was that? Uh, I don't know. Oh, wait, am I going to turn this The song this down? is not very loud, apparently. Yeah, apparently it's not <laughs> even to the point where you can hear it. It sounded like a whole... Why is it working? There it is. There goes. you go. Jeez. This is a minute and a half in. Oh. Wish you were here on Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. Pink, Pink Floyd, Floyd loves, loves long yeah. intros. They, do. they love to do yeah, that. clearly. It's yeah. halfway through the song yeah, and we're still introing. Yeah, 25 minutes later, you're like, uh... How would you like to be David Coverdale, the Pink Floyd Museum, and your name's not even in it? Why not? Because <laughs> those guys don't get along at all. Oh. Well, kind of like Tevin you... and me. Oh, mm-hmm. so they name wouldn't story. license it unless they, he wasn't on there? Is that what I they guess. Did? I don't know. Oh, yeah, if my That's... name's not mentioned in the Tom Bernard Museum, I'm going to riot in the streets. So. You should riot. Yeah. That'd be a good idea. Uh, it's been done to death. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's true. I'll, I'll think of something too soon for Minneapolis. TPM. Tevin Pittman matters. 
That's going to be his I like new how slogan. you cracked yourself up with that. <laughs> DMC. <laughs> DMC. Wait, that's not it. Just wait. It's going to be so funny. Something, something, something. Okay, who said this? The guy said his COVID scare made him a changed man in one respect. He's trying to become more physically fit. I was too fat. I can see uh, a world leader. I can see Boris whatever saying that. Carlisle? Boris Carlisle. I was too fat. No, that's that's the other guy. That's Dracula. That's uh, Boris Carlisle. Boris Carlisle. No, but not Boris Carlisle. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. That's what I just said. That's exactly what it was. It was indeed (laughs) Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson said he was too fat. The British Prime Minister says in a new video put out in tandem with a government initiative to tower obesity, uh, to lower, excuse me, obesity rates. I just I have a feeling if your name's Boris, you're always going to be fat. <laughs> oh, well, that's not. How about <laughs> Boris, what, what is that one tennis player? Boris, what was his There's name? There's a Boris tennis player Tenisi. named the, Boris. The only Boris I know is Boris Diaw, that it, was a basketball player. He started out small, ha- and fat. now Boris. he is definitely big. See? He is, is definitely he? big bone. He's a big fella. He's yeah. big bone. Boris. <laughs> it just is a fat He's, name. I was going to say, fat before, you, before you said <laughs> yes. current world leader, I was going to say Winston Churchill. So I was. So he was, close. Yeah, yeah, he was he too was fat, huge. too. Yeah. I knew it was going to be not America because Americans. I'm not every, fat enough. They do everything they can not to say the word fat. That's true, yes. They'll say heavy or overweight or whatever. Big. Big bone. But in the UK, Big. they'll say fat. Yeah, that's very true. That is very, very true, ladies and gentlemen. So there's a, a large vaccine trial. It's got, gotten underway. Hopefully that'll happen. Moderna. Right? Moderna, yeah, exactly. We no, got to do something trust. about this because if they don't do something pretty soon, we're not going to Nashville. There will be no Thanksgiving. There'll be no Christmas. We will there not will be, be no going to Thanksgiving. Why? Yeah, the... or Christmas. Are, I don't... <laughs> already, all the stores already locked it down. Said we're not opening. Forget it. We're not doing it. Well, they're not doing Black Friday. Like Black, yeah. oh, no, well, Thursday. I... They're not opening Thursday either. Thursday yeah, but I think or... it'll just like you'll have like the Amazons of the world that yeah. will capitalize. Oh yeah, can you imagine how much he's gonna make if yeah. they don't? Yes, oh, he's probably hoping God. that this strings out just a little bit longer. Everyone should be like, probably paying for it. Everyone right? should be like me and finish their Christmas shopping in like October. October. Yeah. Actually, everybody should do, do. that. They should go that, yeah. to the right. stores, support your local stores yeah. as much as you can, and don't order off Amazon. I and any time that you shop and you think, oh. My mom would like that. Buy it. There you go. Even if it's in July. And then have a spot for future Christmas presents. Yeah, all my problem is I forget about those future Christmas presents. But you have a a spot. (laughs) That's true. For all of them. Like a drawer. Unless you have nosy children who know all the spots. Oh, I hid Fawn's Christmas presents all over the place. It took me four days to find one of them. I was like, where did I hide it? (laughs) I forgot. I had this false tile in the. Find it. I hid it under a bookshelf that rotates. Yeah. (laughs) I've always wanted one of those in my house. I know, me too. But the house we live in right now is not big enough for a false bookshelf. No secret passages. I do wonder what. With this whole COVID shutting down brick and mortar things, if this might actually give rise to a market where Amazon isn't a monopoly, because every store yes, is transitioning to online, <clears throat> no doubt about and it. And it makes me well, wonder, you know, if you can order from 
you know, Sears and Kohl's and Target and whatever instead of Sears. just Amazon. <laughs> Sears still has got a very real looking day. <laughs> well, they could they could come she back if they back. They could come back if they played their cards right. Well, this is the problem with Amazon. So uh, we have the uh, we put in a new we put in a door to the den mm-hmm. so that the kids can have some place to sleep when they come over. And <laughs> I, had, I had to buy a doorknob, and I was trying to find one that matched the rest of the house. I found <clears throat> one. It was on sale, huge, huge discount. The shipping was almost as much. As the doorknob, yep. yeah. it was yeah. like twenty four dollars or something yeah. like that for shipping, and I'm like, for that, yeah, was yeah. it way about six ounces? Exactly, right. that's, yeah. that's oh, the God. thing. But that a, a lot yeah. of it is unless you order at least seventy five dollars or hundred and fifty dollars worth of merchandise, they won't give you free shipping. And Amazon has us all trained. Yeah. That we should always get free shipping. But you're not, it's not free shipping because you pay, what is it, yeah, you're $90 that prime. a year or something for Prime? Yeah. Yeah. This is true. Right. I mean, you do end up saving money in the long if run. If you use it enough, sure, yeah. But, but as far as, like, pollution goes, so the item, they they contract with Amazon. Yeah. Or, right? <clears throat> so, like... And yeah. they, they ship their thing to, to an Amazon warehouse, warehouse and yeah. then it goes Depending. from the warehouse to you. Yeah. Sometimes. Depending. Yeah. So that's certi- an extra shipping. They're certified Amazon sellers that they can send direct yeah. from their warehouse. But and really, in the long run, but more none pollution of, is what I'm saying. Like nothing America can do domestically will ever compare to overseas shipping. No. So as long as no. you're not buying yeah. it from overseas, mm-hmm. it's really like, you know. But everything comes from China. Well, yeah. don't buy from China. Most things do. When did he? When did uh, Bezos start Amazon? Because at first it was just it, it was, was a book, book seller, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Book yeah. Book. The, the business decisions that he's he's made over the course of time are phenomenal. Like uh, starting as an online bookstore, like oh, this isn't going to go anywhere, and now it's mm-hmm. you can't. I can't live fault your life him for it. being a, an evil genius, but. Um, it was founded in 1994. Okay, it's interesting. The reason you know why I asked you that. Hmm. Why? Because Amazon got really big in like 20, uh, in 2000. They started getting really big in about 2000. The, I was told by a, an economist who knows what the hell he's talking about that Amazon is probably the biggest reason that our dollar is only worth 61 cents of what it was in 2000. Why? Why, why would because he be of in shipping, of because of things like that? Because people overbuy products. You know, they don't want to, you know, you buy. Uh, insure those little protein drinks. Mm-hmm. You're not going to just get two or four. You're going to get 24. Right. You spend much more money. You spend much more money on shipping. And they're not the only reason. Don't get me wrong. They're not at all. That's not what, what he was saying. He's just saying it's a big reason, probably the biggest reason. Our money has been devalued by 39% in the last 20 years. Is that unusual, though? Because everything – well – well, that's and that a fast lot. Time, yeah, that, that's in a short very quick. Time, yeah. Well, let's see here. So, thirty-nine percent in twenty years, you said? Yes, sir. Well, let's see. From nineteen eighty to two thousand, it went. Uh, let's see, hundred nine percent. So what? So we're doing all right. We're doing all right. For nineteen eighty to two thousand. People don't realize how powerful inflation is. Oh, there's in no... In 1960... No, inflation oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Inflation. Oh. 1960 to 1980, 
1940 it went up. Oh, you were down in value. The, the dot-com bubble 1940 oh, yeah, to 1960, well. 111%. So 61, 39% is not that bad, apparently. Right. Thank you, really Amazon. I guess. We're at 49%. Can I say that with that's no. still half of what it usually is in 20 years. So actually, inflation has slowed down quite a bit. That is so amazing that a million dollars basically is nothing anymore. Well, Isn't that sad? Something to me. To, <laughs> Let's back yeah, up. Really. Any, I'll I, take your million dollars yeah. if it's nothing. Well, ten million's actually not that much money. No, oh no, not in the grand scheme of things. Well, I think I'd be pretty no. comfortable if I had a million dollars. Well, no, no, no. I understand that. Well, not a million dollars. It wouldn't make you comfortable. Not because over I was your lifetime. Now, not oh god, well, my no lifetime. But yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty much set if I had a million dollars. No, you wouldn't. You'd what think would the interest be on a million dollars? Could you live off of it? Anymore? Oh, no. I mean, I don't if you didn't have to pay any taxes on it? I did the calculation so the once, uh, like about 10 years ago, and the number, I think, if you wanted to live a modest lifestyle on interest, you have to have about three and a half in the bank. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. so it's probably more like five now. Yeah, one million's only yeah. going to give, give you about 50 GZ, or about 40 GZ, no, or 45 maybe. forty About 40 grand a year. That's some... It's just stupid. You should be I able to. Agree <laughs> you should be able to live off your three mil. Right. No, no, that's for one million. Forty millions for one million. Oh. So well, three million is one hundred twenty grand. That's well, what Tony was talking. About. That's what Andy was talking about when he said three and a half million, because that's one hundred and fifty grand a year. Well, that depends on your age. Like, if you were given three million dollars, it would obviously. What are you saying? Mom's going to tip over any not now? Is that the... You didn't let the me clock finish. Is ticking, you didn't Mom, let me finish so. my sentence. <laughs> yeah, you need a no, ride home. Now I see where Fawn gets it. If she got. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> tap dancing. That if you were given three million dollars, it would be different than if Fawn were given three million dollars because she is so. Well, she'd young. spend it on fairy dresses. Now we have she the most fabulous princess and the Skittle princess. She did tell me she, she was going to buy us a new Skittles. house at the store. Was she? Yeah. She made a shopping list. Oh. And she she was going to buy me a new house. Nice. So. There you go. We, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Special guest up next with the family. Tom Bernard here, and here with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website about a customer near where I grew up, North Minneapolis. They were specifically looking for a community bank. That's right, Tommy, Prestige Products. They had been with another community bank, but when their bank was acquired by a large regional bank, the owner felt like they were just seeing his business for the numbers on the page and not really understanding his long-term plans. So we met with a number of community banks in the area, including us. Luke at our branch in Shoreview met with the owner. They hit it off, and Prestige Products chose to work with us. Incidentally, their favorite part of working with Luke is that he gets excited about the same things that are important to them. Having a clear understanding of your long-term goals makes for a great relationship and our difference maker for your business. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself. And with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, you can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better 
in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Steve Miller. <laughs> Steve Is Miller. Ms. Kinsler ready to go? Yeah. Catherine Kinsler, how are you, Catherine? I'm good, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. My lovely wife's name is Catherine. We found out uh, just about uh, 24 hours ago that our two-year-old grandson somehow, I don't know how he knew her name was Catherine. Because you say it. You say it. Yeah. I don't say call you Catherine. Yeah, you do. Do, you do. do I really? Yeah, like yeah. if you're calling her across the room. Catherine. Anyway, what else so are you gonna say? he's two years old, Catherine Kinsler, and he comes up to me and he says, Bop, Bop, you're not a bum. Catherine is a bum. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Judgmental at two. Judgmental yeah. at Catherine. two years old. <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> not Nana. I cannot wait to talk to you about your book, how you say it, why you talk the way you do, and what it says about you. I love language, speech, all of that whole. I just, I've been doing it my whole, this is what I've done my whole life. I've done voiceover and radio. Uh, brief period, I was a director of promotion at Capitol Records, but my whole life has been about talking. So I yeah, cannot, can't wait to hear what you have to say, Catherine. Well, thank you so much. I'm, uh, I'm excited to speak with you. By the way, you're not a bum. My wife is a bum, but you're not. You're, <laughs> okay. She's the only bum. <laughs> right. Thank you for Sages clarifying. may be talking about her. Yeah, maybe she's talking about Catherine <laughs> Kinsler. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Oh, listen to this. i got to read this because I know you're not going to say it, so I have to read it. From one of the most brilliant young psychologists of her generation. What do you think of that descriptor there, Catherine? I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. So how did this all start, Catherine? Yeah, so, um, so I actually study kids, not adults, but, you know, a lot of our adult communication comes from the voices that we heard as yep. children. And so, you know, as we all know, if you've ever taken a language class in high school or college, it's incredibly difficult, right? Whereas your two-year-old grandkid could, you know, learn a new language really quickly if exposed to one. And so we have these sort of miraculous early language capabilities, but then when we talk as adults, we're often revealing to the world basically the voices that we heard as children. Um, and so it's really hard to, you know, fully shift and learn a new language or a new accent as an adult. Yeah, I, oh, I, I mentioned that is probably true. What's interesting also, Catherine, to me, and the one reason I was so excited to talk to you today is I grew up in a neighborhood uh, that was Catholic, Jewish, and black. So basically I had three different accents that I dealt with. It was, and it did shape the way I speak. There's no huh. question about yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so some of my research shows that that's actually a really good thing, that that mm -hmm. early diversity and early linguistic diversity, it kind of, you know, you get practice in taking people's perspectives and, you know, learning that different people speak in different ways and different, you know, social groups can, um, you know, we're, we're in a world with social groups, of course, right? And there's a lot of prejudice out there. At mm -hmm. the same time, being exposed to linguistic diversity can be really positive for kids growing up. I, I, look, I love the way I grew up. I'd be very honest with you, Catherine, whether it's use of language, how people speak, how people comport themselves. Uh, our, our granddaughter, who's four years old, Alex's daughter, said one day, and they, both kids call me Bop Bop. She said, why does Bop Bop walk like that? 
because apparently I have a very urban walk, but I didn't know it. Nobody <laughs> told me. <laughs> so I don't know. What, it's all about being comfortable in your surroundings. I'm, I'm certain that, you know, I, I grew up Catholic, living, uh, it was basically the neighborhood from Lindale, from the river to Lindale was Catholic, Lindale to Penn was black, and then Penn Avenue to the city limits of Theater Worth Parkway. You got Jewish. that, Catherine? It's mapped out in your mind. <laughs> well, no, I'm just telling you, it was a very separate, the reason I brought that up, that it was separated pretty much in those three. Not, it's just where people lived. They lived by, like you said, well, here's one of your descriptors right here. We gravitate toward people like us. It's human nature. Race, class, and gender shape our social identities, and thus who we perceive as like us or not like us. I think that's very, very important, and that's why I brought that up in the first place, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, and then some of what I try to do in the book is to say that, you know, we have so many situations of in-group and out-group around us, and sometimes it can be positive, right? Like, sometimes you can really connect with somebody, but, of course, then the prejudice and the divisions can all follow from that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think people don't always realize the way that their speech can be such a critical feature of their identity, so it can form who you are, who you connect with, but then also who you see as being outgroup, and just language isn't always out there in our popular culture as something we should be thinking about in that way, as this way of social grouping, and I think it really should be. Well, are people afraid? Because if you misunderstand anybody in the slightest way now, it can just turn into a gigantic problem. Yeah, I think that's such a good point, and actually, like, the, the notion of understanding is really complicated. And so, you know, I think sometimes people have this idea, like, I said my thing. Like, I did it perfectly. It's out there in the world. Now it's just your job to kind of catch it and understand it. But that actually communication is really two-sided. So if a listener doesn't like the way somebody's speaking or doesn't want to understand, it's actually so easy for people to shut down, and they may not even realize that they're doing this. And then if someone's listening to you and they shut down, then your communication gets worse as a result. And so it can kind of create this really negative feedback loop. Um, So I think just like even thinking about who you understand and who you don't and who understands you, it's really complicated. It is very complicated. It is, and I think it's getting more and more complicated as time goes on. And, and I, I don't know, what's the solution to be better effective at communication yeah. and listening mm-hmm. instead of <coughs> shutting down or blaming yeah. people because you don't understand or they didn't understand you? Yeah, I mean, one simple tool is just to ask a follow-up question. And so I think a lot of times these miscommunications can kind of grow in conversation. And if you're doing a good job listening, you're, you know, you're leaning in. You're, if you don't understand something or something doesn't seem right to you, you can say, like, can you say that again? Or I'm not sure I understood you. And I think even just a simple, like, showing that you want to understand someone, it can kind of, like, bring, it, bring the communication back from the brink, if you will. I think it's fantastic. Um, we were just the other day talking by coincidence about this, that when I was a little boy, 10, 11, 12 years old, the Beatles broke, and they talked like this. They came on and talked on television okay. like this, and it was very laid back and very, very nice like that. Then a few years later, Scorpions from Germany came on. I was like, we are rock and roll people. <laughs> you went from this very laid back good. British delivery to this really loud German thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it proves your point exactly because we do all sound like our surroundings. Yeah. And people don't realize, I think, 
like how many stereotypes you can have about different groups of speakers. You might not even be aware of it. And so it's like when you hear somebody speak in a British accent, it's really easy to think, oh, like they sound pretty, you know, posh and Mm -hmm. educated. But that's not like you don't know for sure that that person is posh or educated, right? You don't actually know anything about them. (laughs) It's just, you know, you've kind of got this like cultural stereotype, but then you can think of other accents or dialects or languages that you might have a negative cultural stereotype about and then how some person can speak that way and like you don't know anything about them as an individual and you kind of just impute you know you put in all this kind of um and you put in all this knowledge well, I can that tell you that southern Minnesotans definitely have stereotypes about northern Minnesotans oh, and vice God, versa. Yes. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's just within the, one yeah. state, and it's largely because of the way northern Minnesotans versus southern Minnesotans speak. Southern Minnesotans huh. are mostly just standard American dialect, whereas okay. in the north, there is a definite, like, I'm from northern Minnesota accent. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. and so... Like, these dialect differences can be so interesting because it's both, it can be this, like, place of exclusion, right, like, where you can judge someone, but then at the same time, language is so personal, and so you feel attached to your native way of speaking, and it can be really, really positive, and so I think kind of, like, getting it out there in the world that no way of speaking is inherently good or bad or, like, better or worse, like, you know, communicating everything people want to communicate, I think that's an important message. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, Catherine, when I was 19 years old, I moved from a very urban neighborhood in Minneapolis to Grand Forks, North Dakota, which is almost in Canada. It's the far (laughs) northern part of North Dakota. 19 years old, I move up there. One state away, I could not understand what they were saying. Did it change quickly? Did Did you kind of accommodate pretty quickly? Yeah, I, I did, but only because I'm so interested in speech and speech patterns. Anyway, I think I adjusted, but I, I literally, a guy told me a joke and I didn't laugh. And he goes, well, why aren't you laughing? Why aren't you laughing? And I said, I, did you get to the punchline? I, could yeah. I couldn't understand. I've had that happen before. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. It's like, wait, what? The, what? Um, Catherine, do you have to go or could we have you just uh, for a few more minutes? Oh, sure. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to chat more. Oh, yeah. this is fascinating stuff. We'll be back. We'll take about a two-minute break and then come back. Okay. And yeah. That'd be great. We'll be back. Catherine Kinsler, the book is called How You Say It, Why You Talk the Way You Do, and What It Says About You. We'll be right back. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more. And please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin, is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Catherine Kinsler, K-I-N-Z-L-E-R. The book is called How You Say It, Why You Talk the Way You Do, and What It Says About You. Um, some of this stuff is so, so fascinating. It's all fascinating to me, but uh, 
Well, just um, on, a, on a small scale, I, I, we raised our children in a sort of, kind of, outlying area. Rural area, yeah. Sort of. <clears throat> sort of rural, sort yeah. Sort of. Within driving distance, a half an hour, 40 minutes to a metropolitan area. But even that, when they when they were growing, they still say things that drive me crazy. Oh, I know, like bagel. And I have bagel instead of bagel. Spell bagel. Bagel. Catherine, yell at them. Catherine Kinsley, yell at them. I actually, I did look up the etymology, and it is, I think, it's Yiddish. So it doesn't. But I I don't know. It just. I grew up bag and then L bagel bagel. Bagel. So one fun fact for parents of teenagers is that, you know, basically for as long as we've been able to understand how language changed, adults always hate the way that their kids yeah. speak. And so, you know, this is common and probably when you were a child, you were saying stuff that, you know, adults didn't like too. Um, and there's actually a really good reason behind that, which is that teenagers um, and actually often teenage girls in particular are kind of yeah. the movers and shakers of language. And so language is always changing. Um, and it's kind of this teenage instinct. You can imagine like you're kind of finding your own space. You're, you know, breaking off from the older establishment. And often that involves some slight shift to the language and it can drive older adults nuts. Um, but it's just like the natural course of things. All right, Catherine, it's up to you to talk to all young women in America, and please tell them from Uncle Tom here, F-O-O-D is not pronounced feud. <laughs> God, I hate that so much. But, but if that's how they're saying it, that's actually how it's going to be pronounced then. You know, they're in charge. They're driving the language. Team. Great. So, feud. Let's have some feud. Yeah, I think that they're right. <sighs> I hate it so much, can't even tell you. <laughs> you make a really great point, Catherine. Your book makes a really great point. Again, from one of the most brilliant young psychologists of our generation, according to Paul Bloom, this is a part I find fascinating. A groundbreaking examination of how speech causes some of our deepest social divides and how it can help us overcome them. The reason I love that, that paragraph so much is when I was a little boy, I talked to many of the black people in our neighborhood, And they talked about the reason that jive was invented as a language, J-I-V-E, jive, was so white people couldn't understand them. I think it's just fascinating. That whole thing has fascinated me my whole life. Have you ever heard anybody speak jive? Why are you looking at me? (laughs) Not you. I'm talking to Catherine, not you. I know you never have. (laughs) So, you know, I think that in general, language change is something that um, language change reflects social change. And so, you know, you can find so many different, um, you can find so many different instantiations of dialect differences or even, you know, within one class of English. So, like, we'll talk about Southern American English or people talk about African American English or African American vernacular English and it kind of like feels in your mind like it's just one one thing but then actually then you go in and you find you know all these different you know variants of Southern American English um, or of African American English and you can see you know depending on where people live or what communities they're in um, there's going to be subtle linguistic differences and this is because the way we shape our language it's about like, connecting with your group of people and that if they there's some sort of a you know a social change between two different groups often the language is going to be a little bit different 
My favorite, one, one of my favorites of all time is that I asked him what he meant by that. Because <laughs> he said, I don't take no lip from the king of the dip. That's what he said, right? Don't take no lip from the king of the dip. I said, what did you mean by that? And he said, shut up, dipshit. Hmm. <laughs> That's basically, so he, he gave me the, basically it's just telling somebody to shut up because you're an idiot, yeah. which I, I learned so much, and I loved learning all of that, Catherine. Language is very, very important, obviously. Are we, are we kind of losing it now because we've got these words like, how did woke ever happen? Do you know, Catherine? I don't know the etymology of woke. Um, I don't get it, woke. Although it must be about being awake, yeah, I would say. Yeah, I'm awake to the time. Um, so I don't know where it actually, where it started. Um, so, so is your, yeah, so I don't know, say more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, say more. No, the reason, it's just, I'm awake. I'm not, I've awakened. Right. But it's like it's like saying you're awakened yeah. to the social issues going on. Yeah. I mean, What's yeah. wrong with that? Yeah. Woke. Woke. Sound like a dope. If you say I'm right. awakened, it makes you sound like a vampire. I'm awakened. <laughs> yes. But again, like a... this is how language changed, right? So a new term that you know we didn't talk about ten years ago, and it's reflecting, I think, a, you know, I think it's reflecting a cultural agreement. Like this is the term we're going to use now, and it's signifying something that we think about in terms of being, you know, aware of injustice in society, you know, particularly racism, say. And so I think that language is like you can invent a word and then everybody agrees on it and that's what language is. And so then in some ways, you know, that's how language takes off, that there's some new concept, there's a word that marks it and then people agree on that and use it and then it functions great even if it's not something you used to have in your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Catherine, when I grew up um, many, many years ago now, but when I grew up, nobody... Uh, People didn't really say this much to one another, but there is not a day that goes by where my family, because Catherine, my wife, our son Andy, and our daughter Alex are all here, along with our great friend Tevin. Well, I don't care for him, but they do. Yeah, you know, it's one of those. <laughs> but we tell one another we love each other every single day, every day. One, you know, if I would see them, unless I just don't talk to them at all. But the word love is a very, very important thing in my life because you never heard it when I was a kid. Never. Hmm. Yeah, and I think for a family, you know, choosing a common culture and a common way of expressing that with each other can be clearly really, really positive. And I think that's the whole deal. Do you think, you know, right now, obviously, they're, they're with COVID or being around, and the the issues and Black Lives Matter and all the rest of it. Do you think that that, that talking to one another? And the, the problem I have right now, Catherine, is that we don't we're not talking to one another. We're, we're letting a lot of blame here, here, and here. This is a bad. This is horrible, and that's horrible. We don't hear about the positive right now. Why do you think that is? I mean, it's a tough time in the world right now. Yeah, I think for is. a lot of reasons, right? And so it's hard, you know. So many people are struggling financially due to health reasons, right? Um, due to social, you know, we're socially isolated. We have, you know, really clear people are becoming aware of situations of inequality and racial injustice in our world. Um, and so, you know, I think it's a really hard time to see the positive, but then it's also probably a really critical time to try to connect with those people who are close to you. You know, a lot of research shows that um, 
physical isolation doesn't mean social isolation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we feel really lonely, um, it's like loneliness can be more in our minds than in reality. And so what that means is like one person could be really socially connected and feel lonely and another person could actually be by themselves but feel connected to others. And so I think finding those moments of connection are all the more important right now. Catherine, you make so many great points in your book, and, and this would be one of them. We can change how we speak to some extent, whether by code switching between dialects or learning a new language. Over time, your speech even changes to reflect your evolving social identity and aspirations. I think that is a very, very important point. Thanks. Yeah, I hope that, uh, I hope that you know, the message gets out there to some extent. Uh, you know, and I, I was telling everybody uh, during the break there, I said, you know who's one of the most brilliant young psychologists of her generation? It'd be Catherine Kinsler. That'd be who that is. He was. He said it. <laughs> I said it over and over Thank again. You. No, I love it. Catherine, anytime you've got some time to call in and, and talk about language, I... I find it fascinating how it evolved, how it came about in the first place, the alphabet and all the rest of it, writing and speaking. I love it. So I appreciate your time today, especially the fact that you spent two segments, not one with us. I really appreciate that. I learned a lot today. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. It was really, uh, it was really fascinating to, to chat with you all. Thank you very much. Catherine Kinsler, K-I-N-Z-L-E-R. The book is available everywhere. We will take a break and be right back with the family.